Mana Engario, no my Haramaiki, then a hotaka, or te ahika, could Justine Murray a home. Kaumatua Paratene Te Manu, or Sunny, as he is mostly known as, is very much part of his community in Nunguru and Tutukaka, about half an hour drive from Whangarei in the Northland. He wears many hats, from working as a chaplain in the local rest home to running the Kyoranati Wai line dancing group with his wife Rose. At this year's Civic Honour Awards put on by the Whangarei District Council, his service and contribution to the community was recognised. In this final segment of Te Reo Oteraki, Voices of the North, Lois Williams caught up with Sunny just before line dance practice began. <laughs> Good morning everyone, we've got a bit of sunshine to help us out today and welcome all along uh, this morning and we've got a special guest here this morning just for a wee while she's come out to have a chat with me. Lois Williams from Radio New Zealand. Oh, so she's going to get a bit of a background on our activities here. Oh, <laughs> what we get up to? Yeah. Last two Thursdays have been cancelled. Oh, right, uh, we'll get the music going. Right? <laughs> now we do 98.6, nothing new and little rumble. Looks like fun. You will, we're very fortunatious. Uh, I think our youngest here is 60. Yes. And our oldest is 86. But don't tell us you'll have me. <laughs> How long have you been doing line, line dancing? Oh, 10 years. Keeps you fit. Keeps us fit and not only that, it's a social meeting, you know, for different people. It started off by Kiorangati one. As a exercise for married people, <laughs> I'm ended up the only married. Well, they're a pretty well-drilled team, by the look of it. Pardon? They're a pretty well-drilled team. Yeah. Well, this is well. Here's another lady arrived. There's no no committee or anything. Nothing. You don't need a committee? No rules or anything. <laughs> Good morning, uh, Leanne. Yes. Thank you. So this is um, the whare Paratene Timanu, the Nungaru Marae. This is nice and sun. It's lovely. Now, your name is Paratene Tamalu. That's but right. everyone calls you Sonny. Well, that's another story. It was, uh, I got this from my mum. When uh, I was born, uh, there was a recording artist out, whether he is English or I'm not sure, but he was Bobby Breen, and that was his theme song, Sonny Boy. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they started calling you Sunny Boy. Sunny Boy. Because you were the youngest, weren't you? You had four older sisters. Yeah, four older sisters, and uh, I was the youngest. It would have been great celebrations when a, when a boy came along then. Oh, 
must have been, absolutely, must have been. Who was the original Paratene Tamanu? Paratene Tamanu was a, a co-martyr. He was, uh, he fought with, with Kawiti. At Ruapekapeka? At Ruapekapeka. Mm. And uh, that's why I, I get recognition up there now too, because, you know, he was one of the warriors that moved around. He was from Nungaroo? From, from this area. Mm. Mm. And uh, he did live at uh, Little Barrier Island. And so what relation would he have been to you? He didn't have an issue. He had no children? No children. Now, this is a story, as I recall it, that was given to me. In the early days, the whalers came into the bay. As a small boy, I could hear the oldies speaking in Maori about this haki pere. Haki was a, a transliteration of Jack, and pere was a bell. So Haki Pere was Captain Jack Bell. Ah, and so, he was the captain of a whaler? Whaler, yeah. Okay, yeah. so how does he fit into the, the Well, general? he had a relationship with uh, one of, uh, with Paratinetamani's first cousin, ah. Matatikura. This half-caste baby was born. Rihi when this child was born, it, you know. They didn't it, want a half Half, half European cast. baby. Mm-hmm. So Manu took her and uh, went up to uh, Bland Bay to Parehuya, and he had her hidden up there until she became too big to kill, you know, because as babies this is what was done. Now anyway, getting back to Rihipara, my ancestor, mm-hmm. he was adopted as her, as his daughter, Fangai. She acquired all his lands. So this half-European girl, woman, inherited yeah. all Paratini Tamanu's... Well, most of it, Most yeah. of his land. And this is how... So there's, been, there's an early history of um, relationships with Pakihara for your family. Mm. Yeah, very early. In lots of cases, it was a good thing. It, uh, it, there was a saying going, it improved the blood. <laughs> Bloodline. Breeding out. <laughs> Breeding out. <laughs> Hybrid vigour. Because <laughs> <laughs> whalers, you know, they had the message from up at uh, Pekka Pekka and up uh, Russell and all that. Mm. Yeah, it was a terrible place. You know, yes, well, some of them wouldn't have been very good physical well, specimens. Well, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> all, all sorts, you know, yeah. and criminals yeah. that were just... Uh, yes, there yes. was a name for it, wasn't it? They'd get their crews from down the pubs in England and yes. other countries. And just well, Captain Jack Bell must have been a, um, a bit, bit of cut above the, some of those. Oh, yeah, people. well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we claim must anyway. Mean, we must have thought she was worth saving. <laughs> yeah. Now, he could have been English, but I claim that he was Scottish. Ah. <laughs> I quite like a, a nip of Bell's whiskey, you know. Yes. <laughs> so, so I claim, claim he was Scottish. Well, I was born at Tuyukaka, and I was born with, uh, with a shroud, so they tell me, which 
gave me a special... You've heard of it, have you? A call yeah. over your head, mm. your membrane. Yeah. Mm. That's they... why you haven't drowned. <laughs> and that's what they say. <laughs> you know, you're, you never drown or yeah. if you're sensible about the sea. Yeah. So that was one of the things. And your, your mum and dad were... They were fine people. I, I tended more towards my mother, being the last one and the last child, I guess. What were your mum and dad's names? Oh, uh, Mihi. Mihi is to, uh, to praise people or acknowledge people. But that, that was my mum's name, Mihi. And my dad was, was, was Paratini Timani. Now he, that name was bestowed on him because he was the, the one in the family that spoke more Maori. And, well, I've sort of taken on a little bit of what he did. Did you, were you brought up speaking Māori as well? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, mm-hmm. When I went to school, it was a bit difficult. Oh, yes. So you were punished for speaking Māori at school too? You're well... You of that generation. I was punished for being naughty in the Māori, breaking the rules. Mm. But uh, not for we were encouraged not to speak Maori. Where did you go to school, and who were the, at, what were the teachers like? At the Ngungu School. Oh, terrific! I, I really. The teachers was a, a movement from my home environment to the outside world, and they they re- were really good. One that stands out mostly for me, I think she's about ninety. She's still alive. Still alive in Mongaray. She was a Miss Kite, and she's now Mrs. Laurie Wordsworth. And she came here as a 16-year-old or 17, straight out. And, of course, we weren't much younger, you know. She was a young lady. But, oh, she was terrific. Taught me how to spell and all that sort of thing. And took the trouble of each one. And, of course, we, she gave us a strap, too. But not for speaking Māori? Not for speaking Māori. Was she a Pākehā New Zealander? Oh, definitely, yeah. 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 She was like a pupil teacher of the old days, wasn't she? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Uh, You were lucky then, weren't you? Because you had more gentle teachers, perhaps, than some other Māori people did at that time. So you lived in in Wellington's Bay at that point, did you? No, at uh, Church Bay, where I live now. Church Bay? Mm. Between Nungaru and Tutukaka? Yes. And it uh, stops up here at... uh, I know uh, Samuel Marsden on his way up to the Bay of Islands would stop. He moved quite a bit, and it was a sheltered spot in the bay, and he put up a bivouac, and they slept overnight, and they invited the local Maori there to have a church service. But that was the family, that was the oral history that mm. you were able to provide. Yeah. Yes. And there was, there was a, when I was a boy, my dad pointed out the, how they'd dug a sort of trench, you know, just to keep the, the rain off and from running into where they slept overnight. And yes. A particular place, there's a, a building on that spot now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. So growing up in, in Church Bay, you would have had a little farmlet or what? Yes, we had a farmlet and uh, it was amazing growing up as a kid. We had nothing, I mean, no, no material things. Everything was, well, everyone was the same, more or less. Uh, the existence 
we had plenty of food, there's no doubt about that, because we grew our own food. Now, there's something I'd, I remember, and I, I'd like it recorded, and that is a, my mother's, she didn't have a plough, just a spade and hand tools for gardening, but she had an old pig, and she used to tether it by the hind leg, and put a, a lead on it, a rope, and put a peg in, and the peg would eat up the, the root the ground up. Yes. And uh, fertilise it, of course, because of yes. everything. Mum would move the peg along as she'd hoe <laughs> up and, and put the plants in it. Amazing when you think of it. Yeah, it's so simple. Four-legged tractor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gosh, yeah, and she yeah. just hoe up with a spade and uh, with a garden hoe and plant everything. And oh, it, it's very sensible. Oh? It's very sensible. It, yeah. And anyway, this is something I remember, you know, going to help mum move a pig <laughs> and uh, got the best of scraps, all the food scraps, of course. But see... <coughs> Pardon me, the guys around here were mostly fishermen and bushmen. And they took on the farming from the English people who arrived here. And uh, that was it. You milked a few cows and... So did you kids have to milk the cows? Oh, yeah. <laughs> milk by hand. All right. Yeah. And um, Before school? Before school. Yeah. But Mum was a terrific. She could milk. Five cows to our two, you know, she was really, and she held the thumb like this. The, the thumbs were down, we were like this. Right. But she sort of pressed the teats. She had, she had the neck. The neck, <laughs> yeah, and she could get the little teats, you know, and she'd be like this. And, yeah. Of course, we'd be still half asleep. Did you? What did you do with the milk? Did you have to take the cream? No, we had a, a, was that that stage we were separating the milk, and we had the, uh, the skim milk would be going to 44-gallon drums and uh, that was uh, curd and all that for the pigs and uh, ducks and things we had. So we were pretty self-sufficient. And the uh, cream would go by dinghy around to Tutukaka where the pub is around that area. But you'd row the cream cans around? Yeah, my sisters would row there because I was a bit young yeah. to start with. And then about... 1940, I think, outbreak of the war, they put a road down to Church Bay, and that's as far as the road went. Okay, so then, did that make a big difference? Oh, hell yes, <laughs> big difference. Because before that, how would you get to school? Would you row around or walk around no, the beach? No, we'd come through the bush to Nunguru School. Right. And it was good, you know, all the kids. Did you ride horses? We rode horses when we had an old horse, Archie, and the three of us could fit on it, three or four kids, and we go. And the other kids had horses too. So, um, was high school hard for you? Did you, I mean, you yeah, it was because you know we didn't have to wear shoes out here. We went it's very laid back, sort of. Uh, we laid school. back out here. Well, we didn't have shoes. But getting our first pair of shoes. Well, I had a pair of shoes, but. You had to wear them all the time, you know. Your sore feet and uh, strange. and Like the kids, the towny kids and the uh, Hikarangi and Kama and that, 
they had intermediate school and they'd go in for the, when they were still at primary school, they'd go in for metalwork and carpentry and all that prior to going to high school. That was called manual training. Manual Wasn't training, it? yes. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we didn't have that out here. We just had working with your dad or other people on the farm or mm. on the boats and that sort of thing. It wasn't formal, you know. Yeah. And that was a handicap. But was I, it because you couldn't do that stuff? You couldn't do carpentry or... Well, yeah, I, I could do it, but uh, it was different, you know. Yeah. Got through high school. I, uh, I didn't do very well academically. I had another terrific teacher, a John Beckett. He was English uh, Kiwi. He had distinguished um, war record, but he was called Conch. That was his name. He was so conscientious. <laughs> Not a conscientious objector. No, no, he was really, really a good English teacher and an athlete. But he was one of these guys, he'd, uh, he'd treat you right, a bit like Miss Kite. Makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Oh, I'll say it. He taught English. And that's why I feel now I have a command of English. You know, my grammar was good. I, and I can always pick faults in other people. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fine thing to be able to do. <laughs> Isn't it? You know, and I get annoyed when I hear people who should know better saying those, uh, those women were walking along, you know. And this is women. Yeah, that, that, that annoys me because I've been taught differently. So what did you do when you left school? I went and worked um, with the firm Bus Concrete. Oh, yes. And that's where I learned to weld and do that sort of thing. In Whangarei? Mm. Mm. Then I had to come home and look after my parents because my four sisters were all boyfriends and married and gone. That was a bit difficult, too. Then I had were they very ill? Or? Well, yeah, they got ill. My mother had, uh, after I was born, she died at uh, 51. She got bad uh, asthma. And that's, that's not something that people die of these days, is it? No, but it was heart, heart. Uh, and the, did you have a doctor out here in those days? Yeah, yeah, we had doctors. And how did they treat asthma in those days? Well, now, funny that you should ask. Mum would have been one of the first druggies, pot smokers. To ease her, her breathing, she used to light these dacks of cigarettes and, and inhale the smoke. Really? Yeah. What sort of tobacco was it? It was Niles asthma powder. Oh. You could buy it over the shelf from um, Sergeant's Pharmacy, and she used to get a prescription. And did it help? Oh, yeah, help, Mum. So she smoked this powder for her yeah, asthma? Yes, it would burn her. <sighs> then she'd... Uh, then she'd um, and it worked? It worked, yeah. It eased her. And that's why I think about these people who talk about wanted to bring cannabis in and I saw it work with my mother. I was reading, um, <coughs> you, you 
won a civic award uh, recently, and <laughs> yes. and didn't you? And one of the things that the, that the mayor said um, about you and her tribute was that you had the ability to form a cultural bridge between Māori and Pākehā on the coast, and, and uh, this was a, um, a fine attribute. Well, this is what they say, but I've had no problem, and it's probably my background, how I was brought up. At the marae here, it's used so much for all sorts of functions, Māori and Pākehā, and looking at that line dancing class, as you say, there's more Pākehā at the Māori. <laughs> it's funny, <laughs> funny. Well, quite a few of the Māori people who started with us have passed on, but also quite a few of the Pākehā people have passed on. You know, and it's been sad, we've gone along to the services. Now, I was, again, going back to the Civic Award that you won and looking at your CV, mm. I read that you had been a pilot and a skydiver. And Those things I had done. <laughs> I didn't be, get the fees for becoming a pilot. got just too expensive for me. But you took flying lessons? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I so you learned to fly? Well, yeah, but not solo. OK. These days... You're everywhere out here. I mean, you're doing the line dancing. You're up at the school last night for their concert. You're the comatoa for the school. You're the comatoa for the fire brigade, the ambulance. Do you ever get a free moment? <laughs> I, I do get free moments, but uh, I get ill and I don't move anywhere. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's the trick is to keep moving. Now, look, there's a cup of tea on. Have you got time for a cup of tea? Yes, I have. But oh, I don't. Shall we resume this later? Yeah. OK. Yeah. Good morning, Paul. You've got your best hair cut today? Yes. Um, <laughs> Tura, Tura. This is Lois Williams from Radio New Zealand. Oh, this is Vicky Hall. Oh, oh, you've met Vicky, I think, at the book launch. She's just doing the interview with me. Great. I'm interrogating him. That's <laughs> very interesting life. So you're here for the line dancing, or is this another meeting of some sort? We're doing, you know, we're doing some resources, and Uncle Sonny is one of our featured people. Are you a resource? <laughs> totally. I keep telling him he's going to get a big head. He's been interviewed so much over the last couple of years. Do you remember when war was declared? It was uh, something I didn't understand fully, but I can remember the, how much it affected the Maori people. They were pretty loyal to the Crown which I think a lot of them still are. And they uh, had hui gatherings all around the country and our area out here in the old homestead was particularly uh, involved in it because of Dad was uh, in the Mounted Rifles and uh, he was uh, got a commission as a recruiting officer, liaison officer for the signing up all the troops and that sort of thing, you know. Were people outraged that the Germans had, that, that war had been declared, that this was happening? Yes, I, uh, I can remember them, how they invaded, I think it was Poland first hmm. and then France. And I can remember them, the old people saying, Kohinga ko porana. Which is was France. Put the mighty Aroha e, te mama, me te mama. 
that out of that was love and also hurt, pain. And that was a theme they worked on, you know, and they had to support. And that was where the songs came in, Mōte Kingi Moingaran here, for the King of England. And that's how the Maori people have supported them. And they, after that, they formed the Maori Battalion. Tomo mama Kyoto Inga Inga Etu Fera Tune. Um, I've heard it said that Ngapui declared war on Germany before New Zealand did, or before Britain did. Uh, was it before New Zealand did? Well, Ngapui did because of. Uh, not so much, I didn't uh, hear that exactly, but they were the first Maori tribe to enlist and to fight against. And they uh, got all the other tribes to join in. Mm. Were the war years hard out here? I mean, did the men all <coughs> sign up and go off? Oh, yeah, it was hard. Um, How old were you? Just started school. I started in 1937. Mm. 38 or 39, mm. so September 39. Five or six, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Your father didn't go overseas, though? No, he was, uh, he was uh, you know, kept here because of his job. Mm. And was it during the war years that the ship Niagara sank off the Northland coast? Yeah, it was uh, struck a German mine planted by the naval... German guy, von Luckner. Had you read about him? He was a naval... He was a German naval man, but pretty sympathetic to the British. But he was also German, you know, Nazi. And that was... And it was off on grey heads. And I can remember looking up in the sky because they had a tiger moth buzzing around and we didn't know what a tiger moth was. It was an aeroplane. Now, all the homes along the coast had a blackout period, and we had... Um, no lights at night? No lights. You could have lights, but it was all candles and kerosene lamps anyway. Now, uh, you'd have grey blankets pinned up over the windows, and that was uh, kept... Uh, because it was known that the Germans, German submarines were sort of cruising yeah. around off the coast. Well, then. see, my dad was also part of the intelligence, you know, so mm. after it all happened, he uh, was able to uh, tell us a little bit of what he, he was doing when he wasn't at home. Ah, so he was out patrolling the coast? Yeah. Keeping an eye on things? Mm. Mm. We thought he was out fishing. problem with the pippies out here too at the moment, haven't you? We certainly have had them, and, but um, the powers that be have tested and found out that um, there's no disease or anything like that. There's a big drop-off in the, in the size, though. There's something size something and, and the rotting and all that, you see, but uh, I just don't know what... What do they think caused the dieback, do you know, Sonny? Forestry, you know. And the uh, silt build up and then covered, and then uh, that kills the stuff, kills the fish, and then the shellfish, and then the, 
this is, the flood comes along and washes them clean again, and then they, because they're all smaller stuff regenerating. And this is what we want to try and uh, close it down for a few years, so let the young stuff come out, re regrowth. So you want to put a rahui on it? Yes, we do. But of course that'll have to go through another meeting now. I'd like to know how your family got the name Wellington. Where does that come from? Oh, that was a... As I was told, it was when the Queen and Victoria invited quite a few chiefs over to the UK, you know. That was well known. Quite a few went over and Palatinet and Manu was one of them. And uh, one of the story go stories goes over how um, he met the Queen and they're taken around all the high spots like the wharves where the people came in and uh, just while they were at this Tilbury Wharf, one of the wharves, they were unloading a circus from uh, Europe. Germany somewhere, and uh, this big animal got off, and uh, they remarked on, he, he explained it to the people back here, how this great big animal swallowed uh, just a tuft of grass growing through the timbers on the wharf, and picked it up what he thought was its neck, hit the dirt off, you know, banged the dirt off on, the, on its foot and put it into its mouth. Can you imagine looking at the size of that animal and, uh, you know, it was a food source in some cases. OK, so but that doesn't explain the name Wellington. Yeah. <laughs> no. Now, that was uh, leading up to it. They'd been to the wolves and they'd been to a factory and another significant thing came out of the, going to a factory where they were buying these tomahawks and they'd give them their away and all that for these axes. They were invited along to see the Queen's um, lines. And they said, uh, yeah, that's a symbol, the strength of the British Empire. Everywhere there were the lines up on the buildings and, and they said it's a fierce man-eating animal. And Paratinitim and he said, uh, I like to fight, beat it me and my spear. Apparently he would have said, no, 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 you, you can't fight that. You, it'll kill you. You can, oh, no, I'm a warrior. I'm like uh, that man with the Duke of Wellington. The Duke of Wellington was the leader in all of Europe then, you know, he'd beaten Napoleon and all that sort of thing. And, and Paratini reckoned, well, I'm like that. So could I have that name? And uh, Broughton was the Duke of Wellington, well as the lieutenant. And he reckoned I'd like both those names. So it was Paratene, uh Wellington, and that's how we acquired the name. So you are Paratene Tamanu Wellington? Yes. So that's how we got the name. work you do now involves being um, a chaplain. How did you come into that work, Sonny? Well, that was uh, 
I'd been doing it for quite a while, by you know, being called upon to do blessings, and I'm able to bury people, you know, at funerals and that sort of thing. You're a celebrant. No, uh, just a funeral celebrant, not a wedding celebrant. Mm. I, uh, I didn't feel as though I'd be able to give my everything by passing, getting papers, being called on. Mm. I could just go along and do it. The spiritual side of it? Yeah. Mm. And I, I had a feeling for it. and I worked for a while in um, a rest home. and The old people that, you know, suffering there, you know, out of this world, and I did feel sorry for them, and I could speak to them and offer them something, and they seemed to respond. These are Māori people in rest homes? Well, not very many when I was working there. It's only recently that Māori people have become more in rest homes than that. I worked in Leicester and in um, Rumu Court, you know. Here in Whangarei? Mm. I was a maintenance kaumatu uh, for both those places. And I'd uh, give the nurses a talk on hygiene and customs, and I could explain tapu as it is. It, tapu, in lots of ways, is straight out hygiene. And uh, that, that's how I, you know, over the years, I was able to say prayers and that. And, and comfort a few people, and this is, I got benefit from seeing the, well, the ease that some people were. One, one music example, I must tell you, was at Leicester. A Maori lady came in, and she was very ill. She wasn't responding to the medication. And uh, Maddie Hill, the um, uh, nurse manager, said, look, Sonny, could you have a talk to her? She's not very well. And she's not taking the medication. And I said, yeah, OK, I'll go in and have a chat to her. And I, we then spoke Mary to her and asked her what her problem was. And she looked at me gingerly, you know, and a bit shy. And I said, well, call it on my, when I go here, they call it on my cow. You know, just speak to me. She rubbed her tummy. And I said, meaning, are you constipated? Oh, I quit. Yes, yes, that's my problem. And I said, call it the Speak to the nurses. And she said, no. To call her Pena. Oh, she's too embarrassed to speak to the nurses. <laughs> she was bunged up. Bunged oh, up. Poor old woman. And I, I said, well, I said, uh, I know. So I went in and made you reckon, you get any satisfaction? I reckon, yeah, she's bunged up the hell, she's got, she's constipated. Oh, I said, she's so embarrassed about talking about that, that's why she wouldn't take anything. Oh, the poor thing, and they treated her. Next couple of days she's smiling and talking. <laughs> you did God's work that day, Sonny. <laughs>
Sonny is very much a people person. His role in the community has him attending many kaupapa, including blessings. He does it mostly on his own. But succession planning is on the horizon, as he explains with Lois. I got on good with the staff and the, the cook especially, with Morris Gibson. And his widow lives out here in Nungaroo now. I'd go and talk to the ones who have passed away and to their families. And this is how it really got serious. Then, mm. of course, being out on the water, a lot of people drown out on the water and come in and they get a bit, you know, people are very close to the sea and they, they want a uh, blessing done on their boats and changing the name of boats. I've done that sort of thing. Because mm. it's considered quite unlucky, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yes. Yes. So you reassure people. Mm-hmm. You reassure yeah, people a lot, don't you? Gives them satisfaction. I can see on their faces, you know. And another young couple just recently, a few months ago, bought a boat, new boat down from up Russell, and they wanted to change the name, and they got me to go along, and, mm. and they're quite happy now. Though. Mm. So that, I mean, that's <coughs> the large part of your life now, isn't it? And. You've been holding the fort as sort of almost like the lone Komato for quite some time. Yeah. Are you seeing younger people come through? I am. I am. I know they're capable of it, though. Like uh, one of my nephews that just been mentioned, he's taking classes at Tereo. But the main thing is anyone can learn Māori, but to have it in here. In your heart? Is the main thing, you know. Mm. I, I think... Uh, Different ones have, uh, can't speak the real. And they get to be a bit reluctant to get up and speak, and I, because they can't. And I said, look, it doesn't matter. Communication is the main thing. Get up and say it in English. What, what you can say, as long as you, it's coming from your heart. They felt better by doing that. And quite a few people I told to do that. I'm no expert myself, as far as I go, but I can get it across. But the the latest lessons you get, they're not what I was taught. I learned it off my mum's knee, you know. Mm. And a lot of it was pidgin English, but it uh, you worked it out later on. What I'd like through this, I don't know how you feel, but... If someone can pick up on what I've been doing and just a little bit for someone else, it's good, good, uh, good for the soul. Yes, <laughs> doing for others. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. If uh, they can pick up on uh, the good parts, you know, there's always controversy in what people do, how you seem to be doing things. But I strive for the best what I believe. It's helpful, you know, it's satisfying. Okay. Kill us, Sonny. Yeah, you know. <laughs>